goal. Century number 10 for Brendan Taylor. It's got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada. We're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th one day international 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Go on, Tegan. Deep mid-wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates for it. Coley cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the DNet Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. I'm Dean Duplessis. Great to be with you again. Wow, how nice it would be to one day hear the real crowds roaring and cheering as we did in the opening billboard as opposed to the rather annoying fake crowd sounds that we are subjected to at the moment. All the same, it's great to be with you again. It's been a while, but it's uh, it's good to be back. And uh, this week, we are catching up with a man who very quietly and unassumingly has made a bit of a name for himself in Zimbabwe cricket. He has been successful in four Logan Cup wins. So uh, if you're wondering what the Logan Cup is, you may be, be uh, from outside of Zimbabwe. The Logan Cup is Zimbabwe's four-day premier domestic tournament uh, so it is uh, the the real cheese in terms of uh, of uh, the silverware that is on offer and this man has been involved in four wins as coach i am of course referring to shepherd makunura who is from a suburb well he grew up in a suburb called highfield in zimbabwe which has produced many fine cricketers over the years for zimbabwe and Shepard also being one of them. He was a, a very fine and free-flowing batsman who represented the club Takashinga before an Achilles tendon put pay to uh, his career. So Shepard decided to uh, embark on a coaching career and he is about to tell you that uh, it is something that is enjoyed ever since and never ever looked back. Let's catch up with Shepard and hear his story. Shepard, it is an absolute joy and pleasure to be talking to you. This one-on-one interview has been a very, very long time coming. Let's first of all start off with the business end before we get into the meat and potatoes. Many congratulations. This now is your fourth win as coach uh, in, in the Logan Cup. I mean, you, I would imagine that is very, very special. Um, it is very special, Dean. Um, thanks. Uh, good to be chatting to you after a very long time. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that fourth one is very special, Dean, um, especially in these trying COVID times. And um, I think last year we didn't get to finish our domestic season because of the pandemic. But uh, this season, although it's been shortened, um, we managed to have all our games. And uh, I mean, winning again for a fourth time is really special. I mean, when when it was announced that the Southern Rocks were officially back in business and back playing first-class cricket, it was a given. Everybody knew that everybody said, Shepard Makunura will be coaching the Rocks. It was a given. Were you still very happy, given the fact that you previously coached the Rocks uh, when they initially made their debut? Were you happy to be re-given that assignment again? I didn't even have to think twice, Dean. Really? Yeah, once um, I heard that rumour that Southern Rocks was coming back and the hierarchy approached me and said, uh, listen, this is what's happening. Are you happy to go back? I said, definitely, I'm happy to go back to the Rocks. I guess what would be very nice, COVID permitting, is if we could now actually be having cricket played around the country again as opposed to Old Hurrians and Harare Sports Club. I think it would definitely um, do our cricket a lot of good. There's a lot of guys out there who are waiting to see cricket, especially in Mashingo. I think they've been starved of cricket for a very long time. I think bringing cricket back there would mean a great deal to them. 
I'd like you to, to please tell us a bit about this Southern Rock side. Um, how many of the players are sort of born and bred Masingo people? You know, so like a lot of the franchises, and it's the world over where you, you have a couple of people playing for one county or franchise or province or stateside, but they are actually from another, if you know what I mean. But how many properly homegrown Masingo boys are there in this particular squad? Um, I think in this total, in this squad, Dean, we've got about um, five guys that are born and bred in Mashingo. Right. Um, I think the prominent names that are from Mashingo are Richmond Mutumbami, uh, Tendai Chisoro. Uh, I think those are the two prominent uh, guys that guys would know. But we've also got some young, upcoming, exciting cricketers. Uh, one of them made his debut this season, a guy called Gabriel Jaya. He actually managed to get a 40 on his... Um, on his uh, debut, but uh, funny, Dean, um, it was actually concussion replacement. Oh. Uh, Brian Muzinganyama got hit while he was fielding a short leg, oh. so uh, he had a bit of a concussion, and the doctor said, uh, no, um, he has to sit out for this one. And then uh, Gabriel Jai actually went in, stepped in. Um, he didn't even hesitate when, asked, when he was asked to open, uh, went in to open, and then um, he actually managed to get a 40. And I think um, he's an exciting uh, prospect from Mashingo. And uh, we've also got Nkosi Latinungu, who played in the last Under-19 World Cup, who's also still trying to find his feet. He's been with the squad. Unfortunately, he hasn't played any matches yet, but I'm sure you'd, we will see him very soon. And then you have another very big, tall, fast bowler by the name of Andre Odendal, who's oh. very much single based Oh, Dean. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Andre would not be happy about that. Um, <laughs> yes, we've got Andre Odendal as well. Um, very exciting prospect. Um, He's come through our ranks, played under-19 World Cup, I think 2016 or 2014, thereabout. Yeah. Um, he's come in very nicely, and he's actually come in and um, bowled nicely for us. And uh, surprisingly, he's actually come in and uh, scored some very good runs mm. for us as well. Yeah. yeah, He got an exciting 80. I was actually away on national duty, but um, I'm told he got an exciting 80 against um, Eagles, if I'm not mistaken, yes. at um, Old Ararians. Yeah. So he's actually... Uh, I, kn I knew under under 19 is an all-rounder, and um, I think he's actually now changed my mind about him just being an, a, a bowler only. Yeah, I think he's actually uh, potentially a good all-rounder. Do you think he's one of those many cricketers who, as they get older, will become more of a... So for now, he's a bowler, and then will become a bowling all-rounder, and then as he gets older, may even become a batting all-rounder. Do you think that that may be the case? Yeah, I think I think that's possible. I think that's very possible. You know, these cricketers at times, as they uh, get older, they like taking the short route out, which is um, easier to for them to 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 be a betting all rounder than a bowling all rounder. <laughs> so I mean, because he stands, what is he? He's about six foot plenty. What is he? Six three, six four. Uh, yeah, I think uh, about six two, six three thereabout. Yeah, and big, broad, typical sort of Afrikaner build in the shoulders. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um. Shep, so, so you have had a great deal of success. This, this coaching job just seems to fit you like a glove. It, it's quite remarkable. You know, I remember, uh, well, I, I remember speaking to you when you still played cricket back in 2002 and, and 2003. We interacted a lot. But then um, we, our paths crossed in 2009. So you, now this was your first stint with the Southern Rocks. And although things didn't go according to plan, you were always there and thereabouts, you know. And um, now suddenly we have a situation where you have won four titles. Tell us a bit about how the passion developed from playing cricket to realizing I'm not going to be playing anymore. I actually now want to pursue this as a coach. Um, 
I think, yeah, during my playing days, um, I think I, I got injured uh, during my playing days. Um, I tore my Achilles tendon. Mm. So my career as a first-class cricketer didn't go too far. Um, I was actually, funny enough, I actually got a job at St. John's Prep as a, as, as a sports teacher. And then uh, while I was there, um, Give Mom McConey, who was then the general manager of Mashonaland, uh, sort of approached me and asked me to be a development officer, which was uh, more of, a, of, a, of an office job. So I left St. John's where I was coaching and I came into, um, to, to, into the office to oversee the development program in um, Mashonaland. But uh, funny enough, all, most of my afternoons, I used to spend them out there in the schools um, coaching, which to me was a passion. And then um, there was a Zim under 14 team that was actually touring um, Namibia. And um, I think they were struggling to get guys to coach the side. And uh, Give Momakon actually spoke to Mike Wiley, who was then in charge of development, and said, no, listen, I've actually got shape here. Um, maybe you need to have a look at him as a coach. Uh, Mike Wiley, I'd known Mike Wiley for a while. He didn't hesitate to also second me to ZC. Um, so I think Give Momakoni and uh, Mike Wiley then agreed to have me coach the, the national under 14 side. And uh, I think from there, uh, we actually had a successful tour to Namibia. I know Nam Namibia is not really a powerhouse, yeah, but so. uh, yeah, but uh, the un under 14 team did very extremely well there. And then I think my passion for, for coaching just sort of uh, lit up from there. And then I think from that day, I never looked back. And when did you then start to have the aspirations? Because you've obviously done a lot of work with the national team as well. Did you... Let me maybe rephrase the question. When you started to do a bit of work <clears throat> with the national side, did you then start to develop aspirations of one day making that job your own, being the national coach of Zimbabwe? Yeah, I think from there, um, from the under-14s, I actually got a stint, I think two years from there, I got a stint in 2008 to coach the under-19 side right. to um, a World Cup, to the under-19 World Cup in Malaysia. Um, I think in that team, the prominent names that are still playing at the moment is Kyle Javis, uh, Prince Mashaure, Tinotindam Tumbods was also in that side. Um, so yeah, so 2008 was sort of my launching pad from there. I mean, coaching an under, under 19 team to a World Cup is, is actually something that I consider uh, very big. So from there, from uh, that 2008 World Cup, I was given an opportunity by Zimbabwe Cricket again to go and further my cricket um, knowledge. And uh, they sent me to Australia. We, I had a six-week attachment to the Cricket uh, Centre of Excellence in Australia. And I also managed to do my Level 3 badge in, um, in Australia. And um, funny enough, amongst the guys that I was actually rubbing shoulders with in Australia was Greg, um, uh, Greg Matthews. Oh, yeah. And I uh, was also Boof. Um, Darren Lehman. Darren Lehman. Wow. Uh, I think we also did the same course together. Uh, Walter Chaguta from Zim, and I was also with Dagi Hondo from, um, you know, Dagi Hondo, the current bowling coach. Yeah. I think um, I was in big company, and I think from there, my aspirations, um, I actually told myself that, I mean, having all those guys around us and uh, being a part of that um, class of 2008 that did the level three, um, from there, I had belief in myself, and I, my aspirations actually started from there that I could actually be amongst this class and actually be able one day to coach at a high level. And let's now roll back the clock even further. And I know it's a, it's, it's a question that every single person who succeeds gets asked. So 
it, you know, it may be pretty stale, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. You obviously you are from Harare, but you would have been, I suppose, in, in the more high density suburbs. So how were you introduced to cricket? How did cricket find you or how did you find cricket? Um, my love for cricket started in grade three. Um, I grew up in Eiffel and uh, my primary school, I attended a school called Chengu Primary School in Eiffel. So I was actually coming from class one day and uh, I saw a group of seniors outside playing cricket. Um, one of the prominent names that got me into cricket is Lazarus Zijou. Oh, wow. So I was actually out there and um, I saw these guys playing cricket. And then I went to this old, uh, to this um, gentleman who was coaching them. And I walked up to him and I said, no, listen, um, I would like to join cricket. So he said to me, um, come tomorrow, uh, dressed in your sports kit. So from grade three, I went, uh, the following day, I went dressed in my sports kit and Lazarus Zijou started showing me all the ropes. And uh, he was actually instrumental in my, um, in my development. I think from grade three up to grade seven, he was my, my coach. And um, in grade seven, I made the, used to be called Harare Schools then, I made the Harare Schools team. And uh, from there, I was offered a scholarship to Prince Edward School. And I think my cricket just uh, continues to grow from, from there. There are three names <clears throat> that I hear with regularity when interviewing people. Lazarus Joel, Highfield, and Prince Edward. Why would you think that would be? Um, I think back then, um, Zimbabwe cricket had a very sound development policy uh, and a development program. So all the... Um, they had uh, coaches stationed in the high-density areas. Yeah. And uh, one of the biggest hubs of development cricket was, uh, was in Highfield. And um, hence, it was in Highfield, hence uh, the birth of clubs like Takashinga, which is um, uh, based in, in, in Highfield as well. So what they used to do is all the outstanding cricketers from um, Highfield, since Highfield uh, had high schools, but the high schools didn't actually play cricket at a higher level, so all the good cricketers were taken from, um, from the high-density areas and they were given a chance to go and further their studies and also to go and further their cricket at, uh, at, at, at schools like Prince Edward back then. Churchill, during my time, wasn't actually a, a development centre for, 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 for cricket. So most of the schools, um, no, most of the players that got scholarships were sent to Prince Edward. How do you, in your opinion, do you think that that then started to change? When do you think that shift happened where it wasn't so much Prince Edward but a lot more towards Churchill? Um, I think it started, I think, a couple of years after, after I think I left. I left Prince Edward in 1995. Yeah. Uh, but I think the shift sort of started around 93, thereabouts. I think they also opened up an avenue at, uh, at, uh, at, at Churchill. But I think it was also, I think... Most of it, Dean, has to do with uh, who's actually heading the schools. Yeah. I mean, Clive Barnes was, was, was outstanding for years at, uh, at, uh, at Prince Edward, and he used to accommodate us very well. And I think at times when there's a shift um, in leadership, I think the headmasters and whatnot, I think there tends to be sort of a, a change in the, in the school culture as well. And uh, some schools will not really be open to, to, to deals like that, where Zimbabwe cricket would send their their their, their their pupils there to further their study and also to strengthen their cricket. But I think um, it had more to do with, I think, I'm not too sure whether it was fees or anything, but I'm not yeah, too sure what, yeah. the, what, what the whole Fair thing enough. was all about. But I think, it, uh, I think 
to start off with initially, um, there were a lot more development kids. And I think Zimbabwe cricket thought that, um, felt that they actually needed two centers. Yeah. And then the two centers ended up being Prince Edward and Churchill. And I think which for a long time actually was Prince Edward and Churchill. And I think when there was a shift in leadership later on at, uh, at Prince Edward, it ended up just being Churchill alone. I, I just think it's absolutely fascinating how it's evolved. You know, where cricket in the, when Zimbabwe got their test status was predominantly your, your it would be players from Falcon, um, Prince Edward, uh, you know, maybe one or two others. But now, now it's almost, so that was very biased. There's no doubt about that. Now there's a lot of people who feel that there is a bit too much bias towards Churchill slash Takashinga and 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 players, there there is a perception that players are predominantly picked uh, from Highfield uh, because of the fact that they play for Takashinga and so on, and and that players around the rest of Harare and indeed the, around the rest of the country are kind of overlooked. Would that be a fair statement to make? Um, Dean, I think with my experience. I don't think it's a fair statement. Mm. Um, I actually think Takashinga as a club has done very well. Um, I would like to see a situation where there is a Takashinga in each and every province in Harare because yeah. there are a lot of players that are out there. And um, I think the guys from Takashinga were very fortunate that um, the leaders, the leadership in, uh, from Takashinga actually got a ground um, somewhere where the guys could be based, which was local, where the guys didn't have to pay for transport. All they had to do was just walk from their house to this facility which was now in the high density areas and there they could practice, they could train their skills. I think um, Takashinga has actually saved Zimbabwe cricket quite well. Oh, yeah. And um, I think personally I would like to see a project like Takashinga in each and every single province in, in Zimbabwe where kids in the high density areas will have an opportunity for them to just walk from their houses to a training facility in their area and um, just put in a lot of hours in their cricket. And I think that would be, that, to me, that would be an ideal situation. So let's now move on and talk a bit about the national team because you were away doing national duty and uh, <clears throat> completely outplayed Afghanistan in the first test match. Then Afghanistan found a way back and found a way back very, very nicely. Obviously, the pitch had changed and I think everybody kind of knew that it would. Um, what is your overall synopsis of this whole series? So... I think everybody kind of knew that Zimbabwe would be um, very much outplayed, outplayed in the T20 matches, not because Zimbabwe aren't good enough, but because that is Afghanistan's brand. Everybody knows it. T20 cricket is the brand that Afghanistan excel in. But tell us about some of the things that you observed that you were happy with and some of the um, things that you would like to possibly change where Zimbabwe can improve on for the upcoming series against Pakistan. Um, I think personally in the test series... Um with a bit of luck on our side, um, I think we could have actually won the series. Um, I know we didn't bet too well in the first innings, but I thought we fought uh, our way back nicely in the second innings with a bet. Uh, Donald Tiripano was, was, was just outstanding. Um, I think if he had just survived to, to lunch um, and then come back after lunch, I think we could have actually uh, managed to force a draw in that, in that match. Uh, Sean Williams again led from the front, and I think he was fantastic in the, in the, in the two tests. Um, I, I think to me, uh, seeing quite a few of the guys, I think the most exciting thing is our opening stand, uh, which is uh, Kevin Kasuza and um, Prince Mashaori. I think they are slowly finding their feet in international cricket, 
And uh, I think before that we had struggled a little bit with our, with our opening partnership. And I think these two have actually managed to stamp their authority well in our team as, as, as openers. Yeah. And I think it, uh, it all goes well for us. Because, I mean, uh, if you look at the past couple of uh, tests that we actually played without these guys, uh, Craig even betting at three would be in in the second over or in the third over. But I think um, these two have actually come out there and they've actually done a good job up, up front. Um, we've actually got quite a few guys that are exciting, Dean, that are coming through. I know we've got the likes of Brendan Taylor, um, Craig, Eva and Sean Williams, Sakinda Raza, who sort of form the backbone of our team. But we've also got exciting guys and uh, Tarim Sakanda came back nicely, um, coming back into the international cricket. Um, I think he's also an exciting um, prospect. Uh, people like um, Blessing Mzarabani, who bowled well. Um, Donald Tiripano, again, continues to do amazing things for the side. And uh, Victor Nyauchi, um, Wekos, comes in there, bowls in over after over and puts in quite a lot of overs for us. So I think at the moment, uh, Dean, uh, although we didn't win the second test, but I think there are quite a uh, few positives from there, from the guys that are there. We've got some exciting guys coming coming through the system. And it's just about us being able to integrate them with um, with the likes of Brendan Taylor, the likes of Craig Avine. And, and Raza. Shep, um, one thing that a lot of people felt in these T20 games against Afghanistan is that it, it, it felt as if Zimbabwe were a bit, especially their batsmen, were a bit timid. So it as if they weren't quite confident enough to back their skills. So we all know that they have the skills, and we understand that Afghanistan, obviously, their spinners are lethal. You know, they've, they've dismantled many a, a good side around the world. But it just felt <clears throat> as if Zimbabwe were happier on playing percentage cricket. Um, and so in other words, you know, only if the real scoring opportunities were there, uh, then they would take them on. Not trusting the equipment that they had in terms of their bats, which I, obviously, as you and I, slightly older people know, are, are much better than, you know, when we used to play. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all, but also more importantly, so not, not really trusting their equipment, but not trusting their ability. You know, that they kind of were shell-shocked and a bit timid. Um, if that indeed was true, would you put that down to the lack of cricket that these guys play c- compared to even Afghanistan? Um, I, think, I think there were quite a lot of uh, lessons, Dean, from the T20 series. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses, but um, we actually last played T20 cricket here in Zim, I think. Uh, I can't even remember oh, from the top of time. my hand. I think yeah. it was a long time, I think yeah. two years ago. Yeah. And um, going into the series, if you look at the Afghanistan team and you look at the number of matches that these guys actually play, they actually play a lot of uh, T20 cricket. It's actually their, their forte. Yeah. Um, but not making excuses, we should be able to take them on and we should be able to win matches. But I think there were quite a lot of um, lessons that we learned from there, um, uh, things that we actually set down after the, 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 the tour and um, we spoke about and things that we'll actually be um, looking at going into the Pakistan series. Um, one of them, I think, you, I think you've actually, you, you actually spot on that... Um, we were a bit timid, um, especially in the, in the middle of in the middle overs. Mm. Um, if you look at them, they've got some very good ball ball strikers, and um, it looks like every time they think about hitting a six, they will definitely hit a six, or they will get a boundary as and when they feel like getting a boundary. And um, I think it's something that we spoke about as a team, and something that we're actually working towards, um, just making sure that guys express themselves, guys back their abilities, um, guys actually believe in themselves and play fearless cricket. 
How do we get the self-belief into these players, Shep? Because it's something that we, as a cricketing nation, have actually struggled with for a very long time in the sense that on so many occasions we've got very close, but then at the last hurdle we stumbled and we've fallen, you know, just can't quite get over the line. Now, how? so that has become a bit of a culture, and it's not deliberate, it's just one of those unfortunate things that has happened. How do you now get the players to change that habit and to get them to believe in themselves and also to trust their instincts and their abilities? How does how does one do that? Um, I think that also, Dean, comes with, uh, with, quite a, with um, a lot of games, and uh, I think it's something that we've actually been talking to the players about, and... Um, Partly, I think it plays, um, it's, it's, it's up to them. Uh, it's a, about the number of hours they put into their cricket. It's about the number of matches that they go out and play. And uh, I think self-belief belief comes from uh, them being able to do a lot of training. Um, I think, for example, if we talk about range hitting, talk about hitting sixes, yeah, you can't go out there and hit sixes if you don't do a lot of range hitting. So that's something that we... Uh, are talking to the players about now and trying to get the guys to believe in themselves, trying to get the guys into good training habits so that when, as and when a skill is required, they've actually done that skill for quite a good number of times. So it's actually become second nature to them and it's not something that you're trying to pluck from thin air. It's actually something that you've done over and over a period of time. Okay, just for the novice who's maybe listening to uh, this interview and are still learning, getting to grips with, with cricket, just explain what range hitting means. Uh, it's actually uh, when we get the guys in the middle and we just throw balls or using sidearm or just using hands yeah. and uh, the guys just um, are free and they're just hitting the balls trying to clear the boundary. So who, in your opinion, has been uh, the best range hitter that, that Zimbabwe has had? I mean, Alton Chikumbura was very special, wasn't he? But I'm sure there would have been a few others who are very, very good at, at finishing a game as well for Zimbabwe. Uh, at the moment, I think uh, Raza has done quite a, uh, quite a good job. I mean, he enjoys T20 cricket, and um, so he does quite a, quite a bit of uh, range hitting during his practice sessions. So would that be the only one? Because if that is the case, that, that's a bit of a shame. Would you say he, he's the only one who really applies himself at, at range hitting? Uh, our finishers at the moment, I think we're looking at uh, Raza. We're also looking at uh, Richmond Mutumbami as well in the, in the, in the T20 format. Uh, it's also something that we, we are sort of lacking at the moment and we're trying to, that's an area that we're actually trying to improve at the moment. And um, yeah, we're trying to work on our finishers at the moment. So that's an area at the moment that we are still working on. I'd like to talk a bit about a name which has got many people talking in Zimbabwe, even out of Zimbabwe. Alan Wilkins, a very well-known and respected uh, freelance commentator, wrote a wonderful article about this young man. Article about this young man, Wesley Madaveri. Um, unfortunately, he did not have a good series at all in a f in uh, in the UAE against Afghanistan, and, and I don't think it's something we should be duly concerned about. But now, how do we ensure that? Because obviously he had such a good series against Bangladesh. In Bangladesh, he, he played very nicely in, in two games against Pakistan as well. How do we now make sure that he doesn't become fragile and that he doesn't break? And ensuring that, that he stays confident enough to still believe in his ability because he's still very young, isn't he? Uh, yes, uh, Dean, he's a very exciting prospect. And um, I think he's... Um just the way he got into international cricket was very exciting. I think, um, I think you and I know that Bangladesh is not one of the easiest uh, places to make a debut. But, I mean, he made his debut there and he scored some runs. And then from there, he went to Pakistan again and scored some runs. Um, 
I think everyone knew that at some point um, it was due to fail. I mean, international cricket, you don't keep chaining out runs um, every series. So I think we sort of knew that at some point he would sort of go um, get a bit of a deep in form. Uh, it's something I think that Stuart as a betting coach has actually been uh, working on and uh, he's actually been trying to speak to him constantly about that. Um, I think um, I think he's a, he's a good cricketer and I think he's exciting and um, I think he's an asset to Zimbabwe cricket. Uh, we just have to make sure that we look after him well. Um, I think it's a question of confidence at the moment. I think if you have a series like the one that you sort of, that he sort of had in um, in Afghanistan as a young cricketer, I think um, he would be a bit more concerned. But um, I think he's a little he's a little tough character. He is um, <laughs> very exciting, uh, very jovial, yeah. and um, I think it's something that Stuart is constantly talking to him about. Um, just trying to make sure, just trying to make sure that he keeps his feet on the ground. And um, just explaining to him that, you know, this is international cricket. You will not walk out every game and um, expect to score runs. Because uh, the more you play, the more the opposition um, learns about you, the more that they pick out on your strength, the more that they pick out on your weaknesses as well. So I think it's just a question of us managing the world in. Um, just making sure that he gets more time, he tries to get his confidence back. Um, fortunately, I've just heard that we might be having some A games that are coming through. Brilliant. It would be a perfect opportunity for him to try and get some more games under his belt in the A side. Hopefully, he can um, get a few more games in the A side, hopefully score some runs and um, gain his confidence back. It's also so important, Shep, for the batsmen who play domestic cricket and for the A side. You know, we, we, we often say, well, you know, this particular batsman had a pretty good series. He scored... 377 runs, for example, I'm just using it as an example, which included three or four 50s. Now, admittedly, this season has been truncated like everything has around the world due to the COVID pandemic. But um, you surely would be wanting a situation where, as young as they are, is you'd be wanting those batsmen to convert the start. So those 40s, 60s um, into really, really big scores at domestic level, wouldn't you? So that, that they'd have a bit more of a, of a pedigree behind them when they eventually make their debut for the national team. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely, Dean. Um, I think it's all about making sure, uh, guys just being hungry, making sure that whenever they get a start, they, they bet big. Uh, one thing that I always speak to my uh, betters about at franchise level, even at national level, is when you're in form, make sure you make use of the form. Because there are times that you walk out there and you're out baseball, you're not even given a chance. So in um, international cricket, in domestic cricket, um, when you get a chance, if, uh, especially the international cricketers, they should be able to score 100, they should be able to score 150, 200 plus. Because I, I think 150 at, um, inter at uh, domestic level is probably worth about 50 at international yeah. cricket. Yeah. So every time the, our domestic cricketers, our international cricketers get a chance to go out there bet, they must bet big. Sco scoring runs is all about habits. Yeah. The more runs you score at domestic level, you should be able eventually to try and transfer that onto international cricket. So let's transfer the attention back to you again, Shep. If you were to be given the opportunity to, with immediate effect, take over as the head coach of Zimbabwe, you are now not assistant, you're not batting, you are the head coach. Would you, first of all, would you accept the challenge that has been laid in front of you? And secondly, what would you want to change as head coach of the team? Um... Dean, I think everyone's, uh, every coach's aspiration uh, is to one day coach, the coach at international level. Yeah. 
Um, I think I would love to coach Zimbabwe cricket um, at some point. Um, whether I'm ready now or not, um, I'll still I'll still back myself um, as a coach to be able to coach at international level. I know I still got um, uh, quite a bit of learning to do, but um, I think there's never there's never a time that Absolutely. you can say you you are ready. Um, some of the things that you don't know, I think you pick them up as you go. Uh, there's a lot of um, technology out there and there are a lot of guys that are out there that are willing to help in uh, most uh, circumstances. And um, yeah, I think I would definitely want to take it on and um, uh, build from there and then um, learn as I go along. And, and then what would you want to change? What, if there is something that you aren't particularly happy with right now and you took over as coach, is there anything that you would perhaps want to change as, as coach? Um, I think definitely I would love um, our cricketers to play a lot more cricket. And um, I would definitely like to see a more vibrant A-side that plays a lot of cricket. Uh, because I think it's all about, uh, international cricket is all about depth. Um, we need a, a bigger pool to choose from. We've got a lot of uh, talented cricketers. But unfortunately, in this, uh, with this pandemic, I think a lot of things have had to be curtailed. Um, I think it's difficult all over the world at the moment for uh, a lot of boards to, to, to sustain a lot of cricket because all the cricket that's going to be played um, has to be in a bubble at the moment. But uh, I'd, like us, I'd like to see us play a lot more cricket and I'd like, us to, see, I'd like to see a more vibrant um, A-side that plays a lot more cricket so that um, that A-side then feeds into our national team. And uh, if you've got any players that are struggling in your national side, you should be able to drop them to the, to the A-side where they can get more game time and where they can gain more confidence and then hopefully eventually come back into the, into the, into the, into the, into the main side. Because yeah. it's all about confidence, isn't it? And yes. uh, self-belief as well. Yes. Shepard, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time out. Uh, we, we wish you all the very best with your endeavours. Once again, many, many congratulations. I suppose uh, for the, the listeners from Oshingo, I better ask you this question and you, you can answer it very truthfully. Out of, before we let you go, I better slip this one in. Out of the four successes that you've had as coach in terms of winning the Logan Cup, is there one specific, uh, is there one specific Logan Cup? And it doesn't have to be the rocks, you can just answer honestly. But is there one specific Logan Cup where you can, when you finished the season and you said, wow, this one will live for me, even if I go on to coach Australia to a World Cup win? this particular season that I had with this franchise, this will be the one that really, really stands out and will be in my memory till the day I die. I think this one, yeah, Dean, this last one is very special. Um, in the sense that Rocks are only coming back into first-class cricket. And um, I think you know the history of the Rocks. Uh, before this, I think the Rocks in their entire four or so seasons that they'd played, uh, I think we only managed to win about three looking cup games in all that uh, the, the time the Rocks were in, um, in, in the domestic setup. So this one is a, a lot more special. We came back and uh, I think we sat down as a team and we said, no, listen guys, the days of uh, the Rocks being the weeping boys are over. We need to come back, make a statement and uh, make sure that we just, we are not weeping boys. We're coming to make a statement and uh, we want to make a statement by winning at least one of the t three trophies. But now that we've won the first one, I think we've actually shifted our goals that we actually need to win another out of the uh, one more trophy out of the two that's uh, that's remaining so we've reset our goals uh, this one has just been special dean ship yeah. once again thank you very much indeed it's been a real joy and uh, wishing you nothing but the very best with everything that you set out to achieve
Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. It's a pleasure talking to you. It's been a while, but uh, it's always great sitting down and having a chat with you. You're listening to Dean at Stumps, hosted by Dean Duplessis. And what a fantastic man he is. Very, very quiet, unassuming, and has a very big passion for the game, as do all of us listening to this podcast as well. I would have loved to have had a bit more of a chat about the Kaya brothers, Innocent and Roy. Many people people feel that Roy should not be drafted into, especially the test side, and uh, it would have been interesting to have heard his thought processes as to if he's ready to be playing test cricket and if so, which position he would bat. But that little thing called time just got away from us. Thank you very much indeed for listening to the D-Nut Stumps podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and get other people to subscribe as well. Uh, it's been a great joy being with you and we'll be back again pretty soon uh, with another very special guest of that, there is no doubt. But until then, please stay safe. Please be kind. Goodbye. been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast.